Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the Eagles have clinched the NFC East as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 123. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts after what was probably one of the best games of the NFL season between the Eagles and the Rams. The Eagles are now in the driver's seat for the number one seed. They lead the NFC East, but it came with a price with the loss of Carson Wentz, the quarterback. Greg and I will talk about the ramifications of that and a whole lot more in our first segment. Then this week on Scouting Report, I'll look ahead to the New York Giants, the Eagles' opponent for this Sunday, and look at a player who's been really effective for them as a rookie. We'll get into that later in the show, but before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. Greg Cosell and I break down the win over the Rams and preview the matchup with the New York Giants. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. And we're back here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. I'm Fran Duffy joined by NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, a little bit of a sombering day here at the Novacare Complex, obviously, but uh, a bittersweet in terms of just an unbelievable game on Sunday afternoon out in L.A. You watch, obviously, yeah. you watch all the film of every game. One of the best games of the NFL calendar uh, from this year, without question, in my mind, from what I've seen. Uh, the Eagles paying the price for it, unfortunately, with the loss of Carson Wentz. But uh, overall, just one of the best games, like I said, of this season. And an unbelievable win, really. Yeah. Because it was the kind of game, particularly when Wentz got hurt, you know, there were stretches where it seemed like it was getting away from the Eagles in the second half. And then when your your quarterback, probably the front runner for MVP, goes down, you kind of have that low where you think, okay, if they lose this one, we kind of accept that they lose this one. Right. But I thought it really showed tremendous resilience, and that's what you want. To me, that's where coaching comes into play. That's where a team attitude comes into play. And the Eagles seem to have that. How far that takes them, we can't say. But I, I thought that was as good a win, in all honesty, as they've had this season. And when you look at, obviously, the loss of Carson Wentz is just, I mean, it's, it's huge. There, there's, no, oh. there's no getting around it that uh, they are a, a much better team with Carson Wentz under center. Uh, with everything that he's able to bring to the table, both physically, mentally, from off the field, you know, the leadership, everything. He's a, that's why he's a special player. Right. Um, but let's talk about Nick Foles sure. and how he can fit into this offense and what the Eagles can do to make him comfortable and continue to, to have success. When you watched Nick Foles last year uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. which a lot of Eagles fans haven't gotten a chance to watch that, what did you see from him and how different is he from the player that he was when he was here back in 2014? Yeah, a lot of people might not be aware that he started two games in Kansas City last year and, and obviously was on the Chiefs all season, so... He's very familiar with this offense because Doug Peterson brought that offense to Philadelphia. So he's familiar with the concepts in the offense. And in fact, in the two games that Nick Foles started last year, both wins, by the way, you can see the same concepts that the Eagles run. You see the three-level stretches. Uh, you see the, the, the multiple tight end usage and the routes that come from that. You see the red zone concepts, the same ones that the Eagles use. So... He's familiar with the concepts. What 
I think is important for Nick now that he's the starter, and I think it's always something he's needed to work on, Fran, is he at times can be a little too deliberate. And I think he's got to speed himself up a little bit physically, get back in the pocket, get rid of the football. Because, look, not everyone is Carson Wentz. Standing there and waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, that throw Wentz made to Torrey Smith near the end of the first half. Foles is not going to make that play. So we do have to understand that. But he needs to be, in the context of this pass game, a timing rhythm player. And the concepts of this pass game do present those opportunities. When you and I talked a little bit about this off the air, and we both agreed, and we've actually both said it to each other at pretty much the same exact time in terms of we don't expect things to change all that much schematically. They won't. So if they do tweak things here and there, because they're going to, they're going to think there are things that Nick's comfortable with that Carson wasn't, and vice versa. Are there things that you anticipate? Okay, maybe they'll they'll tweak this, they'll tweak that, maybe a little bit more under center, uh, a little bit more in terms of the different concepts. So what are some of the things that you expect them to tweak a little bit? I do think you might see Nick a little more under center because I think you might see the run game uh, be a little bit more of a fact. Clearly, the run game was not a big factor this past week uh, against the Rams, which could have been a function of the Rams' D because when you look at their D, as we prepared for that game, yep. we felt that you could get to their secondary. If you could protect, you could get to their secondary. Sure. Uh, and that, that front group is pretty good for the Rams. Of course. Now, the Giants' front group is pretty good, too. Uh, but I think, I think they're going to feel, when you look at an overall game plan, and that's how teams do this, obviously it's very sexy to talk about just Nick Foles. But Nick Foles is on a team, and he's on a team whose defense is likely to overmatch the opposing team's offense. So this may be a game where they go into this game feeling, look, every team wants to score 35. We know that. But they may feel, hey, we do not need to put the ball up 40 times in this game. Look, look what Wentz did last week. Didn't he have something like 30 throws in the first half? Right. I think it was, that, I'd be very surprised, personally, if that happened in this game. Because I think the Eagles feel they could walk out of this game winning 23-10 to 10 if, if, if it came to that. Uh, so I don't anticipate Nick Foles being asked to drop back quite as much. When you look to, I mean, the, the other aspect of this that I think has gotten a little bit overblown locally is, oh, you know, the, and Doug was asked about it a lot on Monday at his press conference, all the RPOs you right. ran with Carson Wentz, and are you going to be able to do these run-pass options? Is, he athletic, is Nick Foles athletic enough to be able to execute them? Your initial response when you hear something like that. You mean all the RPOs that Nick ran with Chip Kelly? Yeah, exactly. I right. mean, the RPOs is not just <laughs> about uh, you know a, a read option, an option type thing where you're you're you want your quarterback to run, and we even saw Foles do that a little bit under Chip Kelly. But it's it's just as much about controlling second level defenders on the defense. It's just as much about that. So, will they do the same thing? If you want to say they tweak it, so do they do it maybe 10% less or 15% less? Perhaps, but it's not going to go out of the playbook. Yeah. I, I, look, you you and I were together and we were watching the game last night, and I don't know if you noticed, but my, when, when you got the news that Aaron Andrews report and you said that everybody's shaking their heads walking out of the yeah. locker room and you knew Carson Wentz was hurt and it seemed like it was going to be significant. I was pretty down. I yeah, had my, yeah. <laughs> I had my head in my head. And you did. I hadn't had that feeling, and it occurred to me when I was driving home. It was, and the date was November 18th, 2002. 
and it was Mc- when Donovan McNabb broke his ankle in the third play of the game against the Arizona Cardinals. He threw four touchdowns. Whoa, you're three years old then? I was uh, I was a junior in high school. Okay. Uh, and I remember the jersey I was wearing that day. <laughs> I mean, I, just a, a crushing feeling. Right. But you go to sleep last night, I wake up, and you think, you know what? This team won the division. They're sitting in the driver's seat right now for, for the number one seat. They, if they win one of the next three, they get a bye week. If they win two of the next three, it doesn't matter the two. Win two of the next three, you've got the number one seed. You've got home field advantage. So you've got to win two games to get to the Super Bowl. Now you feel a little bit better about it, and then you look at it and you say, all right, everybody around Nick Foles has to – got to rally the truth. It's like Doug Peterson said today. you got to rally this team. you got to galvanize this team. And when you look at every – you look at the run game, you look at the offensive line, you look at the defense, you, know, you look at Fletcher Cox, all those talented players – if they can all just step their game, if well, they can all give 1% more, look, you're talking about this is still a very good team. You know how I feel about Carson Wentz. I felt that way watching him at North Dakota State. Yeah. So he's a great player. That's not the issue. But the Eagles run game, top five, I believe. Yeah. Eagles run defense. Yeah. Where would that be? That was number one. There you go. So this is not a bad football team. This, In other words, this team was not just Carson Wentz, as good as he is. Yep. And he has clearly a chance to be absolutely special. I mean— you know, again, watching the game and listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and, and they obviously had a production meeting with Wade Phillips, and Wade Phillips threw out John Elway's name in, in, in comparing uh, Carson Wentz to another quarterback. That's, that's pretty high praise. Yeah. So we know Carson Wentz is special, but this is not a bad football team. So we'll see. The, the areas, you know, to me, like the biggest thing you miss, obviously, with Carson on the field, is the, his ability, and you, you call them the, the second reaction plays. You know, right. His ability to be able to create outside of structure. You know, Nick Foles isn't going to be able to do that. He won't do 99% that. of the quarterbacks in the NFL aren't going to be able to do what Carson Wentz could do when things start to break down in terms of creating, whether it's he's running to throw or he's running to run. You're going to miss that, and the Eagles need to kind of account for that. You've got to find that yardage somewhere. To me, that, that's the area, number one, that they're definitely going to miss the most. And I think the other thing, and this is just something that Wentz, I think, is, is special at and was at North Dakota State because I remember we were, we were fortunate to know that the Eagles were going to draft him number two and we were able to do pieces on Carson Wentz getting North Dakota State footage and we saw how great he was before the ball was snapped. I think for a young quarterback, he's really special. Now, I think Nick Foles will have a pretty good feel for that because he knows the offense, yep. but I don't think it'll be at the same level as Carson Wentz. And I know this is a cliche, but coaches really believe this, Fran. The key for Foles will be not to try to do things he can't do. You know, we've seen Wentz get out of really bad plays uh, after they start because right. maybe the pressure gets there or whatever, whatever the Somebody reason. falls down, something happens. Yeah, yeah like sure. the throw he made to Jeffrey, uh, which was just unbelievable. I think it was a third down play this week. Yep. Foles won't do that. Yep. So the thing with Foles is, if that happens, if the pressure gets to him, or if he doesn't see a clear picture, or if the receivers are covered, you know what? Throw it away. Get out of the pocket and throw it away. Take a sack if you have to. This team is good enough defensively, particularly in this upcoming game yep. against the Giants, that their defense should be able to win this game as long as you don't turn the ball over. And yep. I know that's cliched, but that's the way coaches feel. When you look at the rest of them, before we get to that that matchup of the Eagles' defense against this Giants' offense, the run game. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, do you anticipate – obviously, they're not going to do different things in terms of schematically. 
they do a lot already. They do a lot as it is. I expect that you're going to start to see maybe more of an emphasis on the run game moving forward. You could. Do you, like, do you anticipate a situation where, you know, if, if it's a close ball game that Nick Foles is throwing the ball 40 times in a game? I would not anticipate that. Yeah. Obviously, Doug Peterson does come from the Andy Reid coaching tree, and we've seen Andy over the years do that when we thought maybe he shouldn't. Yep. Uh, so it's tough to answer. But I think Doug has shown a pretty good feel for that. And I think, again, I, I want to go back to this week because I think this is this is an important game for not only the Eagles but for Nick, Nick Falls. Yeah. So I think you have to play this game based on your opponent. It's the old Bill Belichick philosophy. You're playing the Giants this week. We're not worried about the first-round playoff game right now. We're worried about the Giants this week. So how can this team get its footing with Nick Foles at quarterback against the Giants? I think the run game's critical. And I think Foles, I would not ask Nick Foles to drop back 40 times in this game unless the game is totally fluky and all of a sudden you're losing 24-14 in, you know, in the third quarter. But I don't see that kind of game playing out that and you way. Take, you take those RPOs out of the equation in terms right. of, you know, they don't. I wouldn't necessarily count them as dropbacks because right. it's going to really, again, it's right. a run-pass option. It could be a handoff just as easily as it could be a quick slant to an open receiver. Um, but, yeah, I, I would anticipate that they are going to they're going to try it. I mean, look, Doug's done a great job all year yeah. of focusing on the run. They're, one of the, they're in the top five or six right, right. now in terms of run-pass ratio. Uh, so I would imagine that, that that will continue uh, to a certain extent. Now, um, you mentioned that this matchup with the Giants. The strength of that Giants defense is up front. Up front. And, you know, you have those two DNs. You've got the two guys in the middle and Harrison and Dalvin Tomlinson. And uh, they've got the ability to create pressure. When you look at this Eagles offensive line, another game where they, you know, they, they allowed Carson and then allowed – Foles took a lot of hits too in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, how does this Eagles offensive line match up against this New York front four? You know, that to me is a little bit of a concern because obviously we see some issues at left guard now. Yeah. You know, that's a concern. And we don't know what that looks like moving forward no. you know, in terms of injury. Yep. Right. So we don't know who's going to start a left guard right now. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern. You and I, I think, feel the same way about Big V, that while he's serviceable, that he can have some bad snaps. So, again, this brings you back to the run game. Yep. Because the last thing you want to do in a game like this is have negative plays. You know, you don't want sacks, and you don't want falls under pressure starting to force balls. Right. So, in some ways, you want to run the ball, and and even if it's not sexy, and even if they don't put up the 30 points that they've been, and they're averaging more than 30 now after yesterday, you know, you want this game to be played almost a sense of containment, you know. That's why I keep mentioning this game is so important to get their footing with a different quarterback. Yeah. Hey, to me, it's important, too. That this offense has three games, they've got they've got yeah. the playoff game in hand. I feel confident that they're going to win at least one and probably two of the next yeah. three uh, to secure home field. And all they need is one to get a bye. To have those three games where now you can really kind of get comfortable with right. what works, what doesn't, what does Nick feel comfortable doing uh, offensively. I, that's that's a luxury to have at this point. That no question. A lot of teams wouldn't necessarily have. I tell you what, I'm going to find very interesting over the next three games starting this week is if they do choose to run it more what the rotation in the in the backfield will be yeah because I look I've never played running back but I've been told by coaches by players that playing running back is much like playing quarterback you need to get a rhythm and I wonder if 
if they feel that they need to run 35, 38 times in a game, if one back is going to get, you know, 19, 20, 21 carries. This was the game, remember, week three, where uh, coming off the week two loss against Kansas City where LeGarrette Blunt didn't get any touches, they came out and they they ran the ball with authority against New York. Right. And, and it wasn't just, oh, yeah, they busted a long one here and a long one there. It was very consistent, not just yep. LeGarrette Blunt, but when Dolph Smallwood got a bunch of carries. That's Corey right. Clement right. got a bunch of carries. This was Corey Clement's kind of breakout yes, game yes. in week three. So uh, I think they probably feel pretty good about being able to run the ball and trying to show that they can run the ball against this defense. I would agree with you 100%. And I, I, I would have to believe that will be a major part of the game plan. And having Zach Ertz, too, will be, uh, yeah. will be big, too. Hopefully that, you know, that he's back in if he clears uh, concussion protocol. Let's go to the other side, and I think that you know you go to the last four games with this Eagles defense. Obviously, they've performed on the whole very, very well. I think the overall reaction coming out of this game against the Rams, you know, you and I walking away, walk leaving the building last night was, you know, man, the defense should, it didn't have their best day today, and it's clear they didn't have their best day. But going back and watching the film, you and I both thought the same thing. Watching the film, you didn't get the same feeling. No. That it was this just terrible performance that you know that led to a bunch of points against the LA Rams. No, and I think there were specific plays that were problematic, but I didn't get the feeling watching the tape that they were just getting killed play after play after play after play. You know, one thing that struck me as interesting, particularly on that um, Cooper Cup sixty-four yarder, yeah, which was a big play to get the Rams back yep. in the game. It was a third and long. Is that was the second week in a row off? Uh, some form of pressure that they had McLeod matched up on a uh, essentially a slot receiver. Yeah. And, you know, the week before it was Baldwin catching that long one down inside the one-yard line, and this week it was Cup catching the 60-40-yarder. So, you know, that's something coaches take a look at because, you know, McLeod, who I think is a really good player, but, you know, he's not a man-to-man cover guy. Right. When, when he's in man coverage, you're expecting pressure. Yeah. And so that's just something they'll take a look at. But I agree with you. I didn't feel watching the tape, and, and there were a couple of girly runs where they clearly got gashed, but there were also a couple of girly runs where I viewed it more as as poor defense in the sense that guys were in position and didn't make a play as opposed to getting blocked and driven out. Right. Yeah, where guys, know, guys are in position, position to make the play, now make the play. Now make the play. Right. And didn't make it, not because they were blocked and driven out of the point of attack, they just didn't make the play. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly how I saw it, too. And, you made the point last night we were watching the game. This was, I think it was uh, the Rams had scored like 21 points at this point. And you said, you know, you know what? They, they haven't done anything consistently to the point where you feel like there's a sustaining element to their offense. You know, the, the first touchdown came off the turnover right, right. where they had the ball in Eagles right, territory. Right. The second one came off of it. was on the, the drive with the Cooper, Cooper Cup, Cup. and run, which is kind of a fluky play. It counts. And it counts. Yeah. And points are on the board. <laughs> right, right. And the third play was the, the pump the, the pump Right, for right, right, so right. You kind of look at it and you're like, all right, well, we kind of we kind of gave them. They only know, ran what forty? They ran forty nine plays. Plays, yeah. The Eagles ran ninety four plays on yeah, the, yeah. the Texas Tech uh, Texas oh. Tech offense game. Um, I hate when I have to watch yeah, that many I, plays. It was tough. I hate it, <laughs> especially knowing the result with Carson. I know. It was it was you know bittersweet for sure. But um, no, I mean, it, I kind of felt the same way going back and watching the defense and you know Fletcher Cox. I know. You look at the numbers in terms of the last four games. You know, I think it's over the last five. He's got one sack. Holy smokes! He, I thought he killed Jared Goff yeah. on like one or two well, of those plays yesterday. That brings us to, I think, an important point about this game. It's something Huge the point. Eagles have done throughout the season, particularly over the last oh 
they've probably done it more over the last six, seven weeks, uh, is what we call that diamond front, the five across, where yep. Cox lines up, head up on the center. And by the five across, they pretty much dictate one-on-one blocking. They did it three times in this game, and all three times Cox killed Sullivan the center. Killed him. Didn't get a sack. Twice he hit Goff, you know, once really hard. One, <laughs> yeah. I got him really hard. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's you will see that against the Giants because of the interior of their offensive line. First of all, you have to look at the uh, the play-by-play to see who they're even playing these days in the interior of their offensive yeah, line. right. Yep. You know, and uh, and it's not very good. So you will see that, and I think that's going to be a little bit of an issue for the Giants. I do wonder, though, knowing how the Giants like to play offensively, and the the Eagles, remember going into that game, the Eagles' defensive line was viewed as one of the best in the league, and it still is, and the the Giants' O-line, I think they gave up like six or seven sacks in that previous week, the Giants, in week two. So going in, everyone said, oh, man, the the Eagles are going to get, they might get double-digit sacks. And they got zero because right. the ball comes out of Eli's hands so quickly. So I'll be interested to see what Jim Schwartz decides to do uh, in terms of a pressure standpoint. That's Will a coverage try? thing now. Yeah, no question. Because now you can't just let your corners play nine yards off the line of scrimmage and let those quick game concepts just happen, like slant flat, which they ran in that week three game. They must have run 15 of those. It was 20. like a preseason game. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't just allow them to run slant flat over and over again and have your corners play nine yards off the ball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, and you get Ronald Darby back. I think the corner, going back and watching that game today, which I went back and watched the Eagles defense against the Giants offense today uh, from week three, you know, I, the secondary is playing better right now than yes. they did in that game. So I, I'll be interest, interested to see how they match up on, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, run game wise, they're, they're you know a f- couple flashes here and there, but obviously not a strong run team right now. I'd be very surprised if the Giants sustain offense running the football in this game. Yeah, it's look the, the other thing that Nick Foles will need is, and you know this team's going to need it if they're going to make a playoff run. The defense, which has played well all year round, without Carson Wentz, I think this defense needs to be consistently good to very good to consistently very good to great. And what you'd like to see and I guarantee Jim Schwartz will preach this all week, as will each position coach, this needs to be a week for turnovers. And how you get them, I mean, every coach says that. We just talked about the Giants' pass game. If if Eli's going to do quick game, three-step drop, quick five-step, and the ball's going to come out, then you're not going to get a lot of pressure on him. So now what does that mean? That means from a coverage standpoint, you have to disrupt the routes so that when he hits his third step, he does not have the throw. When he hits his fifth step, he does not have the throw. So now it's it's always defense, pass defense, obviously, is always about a combination of your front slash pressure and your coverage concepts. If there's quarterbacks who get it out, I remember having conversations a number of years ago with coaches who said, we're not going to try to pressure Tom Brady. Yeah. The ball comes out too quick. We're wasting a player. Yep. You know, so you you have to understand that that's what the Giants do on offense. So that doesn't mean you never pressure. There will be third and long situations in the game. But in normal down and distance, you may not get to Eli Manning. So now you have to prevent him from making that timing rhythm throw. And you made a great point too about turnovers because that's an area where – you know, the, this defense, they've left plays on the field. You know, we talked after the Seattle game about how on offense there were a lot of missed opportunities. Defensively, last week against L.A. You know, on, on Sunday, there were a lot of missed opportunities. The, Bradham, the, the one that stood two. out was – Yeah, two. Bradham right. Two. The second one was tough. second one was tough. It was a great freaking play. Yeah, it was a great play. Lane. But the, the first one, 
on the goal line. On the goal line, yep. you 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 know that that's a play that you hey you'd like to see made. You know yeah. he's he's a linebacker, not a receiver, but you'd like to see that play made. Because the thing is, is I'm a big believer in momentum, and we can't always see that when we're watching it on film. But when we're watching the right. game live, you and I are always talking about that. Yeah. You know what? When the Eagles get a sudden change, okay, right. you know, Doug might go for the end zone here because that's the time where you could take a momentum swing and really get it in your favor. The Eagles just haven't been able to right. get, especially over the last few weeks, get those get those turnovers and those timely situations. But you know, it's funny you mentioned. I thought that Chris Long forced from sack. I mean, there was a. But you know what I loved about that play? What's that? And I'm sure you noticed this. They ran their staple post cross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Malcolm Jenkins did an unbelievable job of recognizing the crosser, which is where he really wanted to go with the ball. To Cooper Cup. In fact, Cup stopped his route because Jenkins was sitting right there. So there was an example. And I hate to use the cliche coverage sack because it goes beyond just being a coverage sack. It was a recognition sack because Malcolm Jenkins did an unbelievable job of recognizing the whole concept of the play, which was a shot play, and recognizing the crosser, and that forced uh, Goff to hold the football. Yeah, I mean, how, how much did we talk about play action last week? Whether right. It was on this podcast. Right. We did a segment on an Eagles game plan. I uh, wrote about it for Eagle Eye in the Sky. I mean, that was – a, a huge element that the Eagles had to be ready for. You had that play on the on the one of the biggest plays in the game on defense, and then uh, the the near interception that right. was it was one of those bang play actions where Goff turns his back to the defense, he hits the top of his drop, and he's throwing it, and he's throwing it right, for better right. or for worse, <laughs> right, right, right. It. And Nigel Bradham read it and yeah. got right into the window and nearly picked it off. But but the Jenkins play I loved because he, you know he's not going to get on the stat sheet for that, yeah. but that was just great awareness and recognition. That's film study. So uh, for all of the Eagles fans that are still reeling from November 18th, 2002, and then also uh, December like yourself. 10th, 2017, we should feel, feel okay. Well, talk, talk to people y- off the ledge. Y- you have to because you know what? It's football, and there's another game, and they're in the playoffs, okay? And this is a good team. And, you know, if something like you never want to see this happen, but it, the fact that it did – you feel better that you have three games now in the regular season with the falls. You wouldn't want this to have happened week 17. Yes, correct. You know, so, and fortunately, and this is what teams theoretically prepare for. We know Nick Falls is not Carson Wentz, but he's a professional quarterback. He's played in this league and has had some success. You know, you're not stuck here with a, a guy with no experience or a low-level backup. Yep. You, have, you have Nick Falls. So, I'm, I'm not a prognosticator. I don't predict the future, but... You're in a pretty good situation. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. I hate that we're facing the circumstance, but like you say, I mean, it, for lack of a better term, it is what it is at this yeah. point. Uh, next get, man up. Next man up. It's, that's been the uh, – That's the, every coach's mantra yeah. because it's football. Yeah, it's been the adage around here uh, all season long with all the losses that this team has had uh, from week one on, uh, and this team has continued to find a way to, to win football games. So a uh, huge test moving forward the next three games and then into the playoffs. It'll be interesting to watch all those games uh, unfold. We'll be here, obviously, to, to break it all down. Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here, as always, on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating and even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to at Rich underscore Bobby on Twitter, who consistently, week after week, 
day after day, article after article, podcast after podcast, show after show, retweets all of our All-22 content. Appreciate you reading, listening, and watching to everything that we do from an All-22 perspective and all of your Eagles content on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So thanks to Rich and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show going. I told you we would break down a rookie that has looked very good for the Giants so far this fall, a player that the Eagles will have to account for this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so this week in our scouting report, I wanted to break down a player who has looked really good for the Giants, and, and that's the rookie tight end, Evan Ingram, who coming out of Ole Miss a couple, last year in the spring, you really knew was going to be a game-breaker at the tight end position because he's got the athletic ability to get down the seam. He was an all-SEC performer. He went down to the Senior Bowl, and you saw, you know what, this guy, he's almost a big wide receiver. Just the way that he moves, the way that he runs routes, everything that he did, he does at a high level and in a really dynamic tight end class, which this class was. To me, he was one of the best, and he played a certain kind of way, but I thought he could be a three-down type of player. And let's get into the scouting report on Evan Ingram because he was a dynamic player. 6'3 and 3'8", 234 pounds. He had pretty big hands. He had pretty long arms, very productive at the, at the college level. 42 starts for the Rebels, 162 career catches at over 14 yards per catch. So you kind of saw the, the ability to be productive in space. His athletic testing numbers at the Combine were downright silly. He was a three-year star in that shotgun spread offense for Hugh Freeze. Lined up mostly in the slot or as a wing, but he did get some reps in line. He did get some reps as a fullback. Short and a skinny frame Built like a receiver with long arms, explosive out of his stance, gets to stop, gets to top speed in a hurry. He's got great speed down the seam, and he is a, a threat in the open field. Can stretch defenses vertically. Overall, a great athlete for the tight end position. I mentioned his combine performance, but on tape, you saw the ability to separate. He's a very good route runner for a college tight end. He can step on a DB's toes and separate at the top of his stem, showing the ability to sink his weight and separate with great quickness and burst. He sells wheel routes really well, and he does a really good job on double moves. They saw that in college, and right now he's one of the best stick-nod route runners at the tight end position in the NFL. What's a stick-nod? When you sell the little stick route, which is a little option route where you could sit down or break to the outside on an out route, he sells that route so well and then just sticks his foot in the ground and gets uphill. And now all of a sudden he's down the field for you know a 12, 15, 18, 20-yard gain. He's got the ability to be a threat down the football. He plucks the ball away from his, from his body. He's a great yards-after-catch weapon because of that speed and his ability to make people miss. Uh, when he's in space, he's got the ability to latch onto a defender. And that's the thing. I thought his ability as a blocker was a little bit undersold. He gave effort as a blocker. Was he a big dominating mauler at the point of attack? No, but he gave good effort. He just wasn't an effective overall lead blocker or drive blocker at the point of attack. But they find ways to get him involved in the run game. He wasn't necessarily a jump ball threat down the red zone like you would see a guy like a Zach Ertz either. And he's not a guy that's going to go up and necessarily win all those contested one-on-one type of battles. Did have a couple drops here and there during his time. Although, like I said, he was the focal point of that passing game. Overall, this kid is a dynamic player. I wrote down a dynamic weapon in the passing game. I believe he's a little bit underused in that offense at Ole Miss, but a threat to change the game at any point at the, in the NFL level. That's how he'll be used in the, in the NFL. He's not going to be a big man's tight end, but with the right coach, he will be very, very effective. And I wrote down he'll be a potential star in this league. So 
Uh, Evan Ingram has been kind of the go-to weapon for Eli Manning in this passing game. You've had the, the circus of wide receivers and guys kind of shuffling in and out of the lineup. I do think that you're going to see Evan Ingram get his share of targets in this game, and the Eagles have to find a way to keep him under wraps. You know, Whether that's Malcolm Jenkins, whether it's Rodney McLeod, whether it's Corey Graham, uh, you're going to see the linebackers involved with him as well. I think the Eagles are going to really have to make sure that they keep him under wraps in this game. All right, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here for the Eagle Eye in the Sky, in the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And one more time, please, take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Do not be afraid to leave a question on there, too, because I'd love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the book here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.